it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. And welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I am a co-host, Justin. I'm the other co-host, James. Well, I'm not the co-host. I'm a co-host, which makes you also a co-host, because co-host implies many, at least two. How many, these, how many of these intros have we done and we still haven't written one out? Apparently 19. <laughs> Um, but hey, it keeps us on our toes and keeps people from being bored. So, I mean, hopefully slightly entertaining. And by slightly, I mean hardly, but slightly. Um, but, uh, I don't believe we have any announcements or anything, so we can kind of just jump right into it. But before we jump into it, let's do a slight recap of what happened in chapter 17. Um, or at least should say to the end, uh, basically white cloaks try to apprehend the party as they're leaving Barillon in the dark of night due to a fade have arriving at the stag and lion. Um, but basically they get away with Moraine pulling some pretty nifty magics. Um, and <clears throat> they're basically stopping on the Camlin road for like an hour and then picking it back up and trying to, you know, get as far away from Barillon as they possibly can. And they're like, well, we know there's a fade in any Trollocs with them and possibly the Jakar and everything somewhere behind us so it's you know it'll be here at some point but we want to get out of here so now we arrive at chapter 18 the camlin road and um i guess we'll just kind of jump into this but uh the camlin road and the north road are very similar um but the north road runs through the two rivers which kind of goes north to south in terms of uh, access so from Tarn Ferry down into the country road territory. Uh, but the Camlin Road is much bigger and has a lot more wear and tear. Uh, it's just normal hard packed dirt. It's not a like cobbled type road. Um, it's got trees lined on all over all over on the side. So it it feels almost like it's going through a forest, but obviously there are points where there are not forests. Um, but it's it's different. It's like going from a, a certain type of terrain, like a rolling plains or rolling hills, and then bam, you're on a mountain terrain. Not saying it's, it's a mountain terrain, but it's just that kind of a difference in terms of what they're used to in the two rivers. Um, so basically here we're getting it. So they're kind of like two days ahead now or two days away from Barillon. Um, and I guess from where they are, like on a map, it looks basically like it goes east to west or west to east. And that's pretty much it. In the actual sense of it, it'll 
zigzag basically up and down and the sun will change its you know zenith and whatnot but um they're trying to get to a place called the hills of Abshur. or i should say the road curves around the hills of Abshur until it reaches white bridge and that's where they're they're attempting to go to um is white bridge so they have to go by the hills of Abshur. that's what they're supposed to which i i see that as kind of a rolling hills rolling plains kind of thing we're kind of like mixed matches mm-hmm. um land basically has them stop on top of the hill and he can get a good view ahead of behind them and just basically it's like he's gonna keep doing work because he's he's a machine he just keeps going and going and going while everybody else is like exhausted um of course Egwene is having her daily complaint i guess <laughs> where she's like i used to like cheese <laughs> that's the third day after leaving barillon and i don't know how anyone could ever get sick of cheese but some psychopaths do exist i suppose um, having the like having the same cheese here for breakfast, eat lunch, and dinner every single day. Okay, I can eat mac and cheese literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then even dessert, and then a midnight snack, literally for a month straight, and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Like, it's good. Why would I not like it? But apparently, she doesn't. Okay. So okay, well. Okay, well, now I know exactly what your adventuring pack is going to be filled with. It's just going to be filled with mac and cheese. <laughs> and ramen noodles. Let's not forget ramen noodles. Of course. <laughs> so. Did you, bring, did you bring anything else? I got a stick. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, look. More Lembus bread. <laughs> so uh, she's still kind of not happy about eating cheese for the third day straight or whatever. Um, but she's like really wishing for some tea, really nice hot tea, but they're not stopping long enough to pop a fire and whatever. And even if they did stop long enough, they're not going to allow fires for obvious reasons. So the wind's kind of blowing around them. So I'm thinking like they must be in Kansas right now because Kansas has some crazy wind. Um, so she pulls her cloak tighter to herself, and then obviously Nynaeve is talking to Moraine about flatwort tea and andalay root. Um, are good for, for fighting fatigue and whatnot and removing it. And they clear your head, and your muscles aren't as tired, and that you don't get that extra like flame burn. And and so the Aes is like, I'm sure, while looking at her side with a side long glance, it's like. <laughs> the Aes Sedai and Nynaeve I think are still kind of like figuring each other out like what is the point of this but I think Moraine's kind of come from the viewpoint I'm like I have the one power so I can do all that instantly without having flat work or on delay I'm, so, I'm really surprised that she didn't just say hmm how quaint yeah well I don't know if that's in her vocabulary uh, well, if she wanted to start a fight. But it's also something where it. I think 
I think Moraine's finding it odd that the ice or that Nynaeve is caring so much about Moraine. Because it's like, first you're telling me you're going to take these kids away from me and go back home. Now you're, you know, giving me health advice. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, it's kind of coming see that she's just here, like, quite duty-bound. She's here, like, I'm the Wisdom, I'm here to help people, so I'm going to help people. Granted, I might have to smack him in the head first, but I'm going to help people. <laughs> I'm going to smack, I'm going to help you if I have to beat it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say it better, better, I'm going to help you if I have to beat you to death. Um, but I, I think, because we learned at the last end of the last chapter, where she's like, I may not like someone, but I, I still find it, like, People need to be healed. People need to be helped and whatnot, which is a noble quest, so to speak. But it's not always the best option due to the fact, as we learned last chapter, is like, yeah, we can go back and help people who are hurting and whatnot. But what ultimately comes of it? Well, what comes of it is that more people get hurt, more people get drawn into conflict and whatnot, and it could end even worse than not going at all. So, Nynaeve... Noticing the sidelong glance, kind of like starts tightening her jaw, and he's like, "Well, if you must go without sleep," and then of course, <clears throat> Lan sharply responds to Egwene, "No tea, no fire. We can't see them, but they're somewhere out there behind us, a fade or two, and their trollocs. They know we're on this road, but we don't have to point it out to them." And uh, him, him just shouting like a dad on a long car ride. And then, of course, Egwene responds like a little girl responding to her dad at the car ride. Well, I wasn't asking. I was just regretting. And then Perrin, of course, who's the most thoughtful of the group, really, is like, well, if they know we're on the road, why don't you just go straight across to Whitebridge? But then Moraine also kind of counters with a more or less uh, logical, sound, reasonable response where... Even Lan, on his warhorse and as well knowledgeable as he is in these areas, cannot travel across country as fast as he could by a road. But in doing this, she also interrupts Nynaeve, who was talking to her when this all happened with Lan responding to Egwene. But Moraine also points out that the hills of Absher are going to be like a nightmare to get through so it's probably best just to stay on the road so the wisdom kind of like <sighs> so <laughs> it's funny because he's like on the first day completely ignored moraine and now she's just trying to talk to her about herbs okay whatever so moraine moves away from nynaeve and just like why do you think the road curves to avoid them And kind of like, we would have to come back to this road eventually. We might find them ahead of us instead of following if we go across country as opposed to following the road. Um, so Ren's not sure about this. Matt's just like, well, the long way around. <laughs> you know, muttering to himself. Um and then Lan also points out, is like, have you seen a single farm? Have you seen smoke from a chimney? That's because from where we're out, or basically, well, essentially from Barillon to Whitebridge, it's just wilderness. 
Like at one point there might have been things here, but there's not anymore. And at Whitebridge is where they cross the River Arenel, which is a pretty notorious river. Um, but basically it's the only bridge that spans the Arenel uh, south of Maradon in Saldea, which is way, way north. <laughs> like, if we're in a continent from where Maradon, uh, Maradon is to where we are now is like half the continent. <laughs> it's it's a pretty uh, if you're if you're going from north to south, it's it's a pretty big range. So, you know, you could use ships to get across, I suppose, or something like that. But you're the only real crossing is going to be White Bridge, which you'd think that if you know the Fade knew they were heading that way, they would just camp out with a whole bunch of Trollocs on top of the bridge and you know they're going to walk into you at some point but instead they're kind of behind so Tom's like what's to stop them from having someone or something at Whitebridge already now I'd like to point out this is an extremely good point um which kind of kind of what I just said in terms of like they if they were smart they would have been ahead of times which fades are extremely intelligent because they're commanders but um, I think all of this kind of happened outside of their scope of plans because they're like oh well we have the Taran we can just attack whatever we want but instead of that they're kind of like have to work around it um, but I will say when Tom's like you know. What is to stop them from having someone or something at Whitebridge? Keep that tucked away for later. Um, so then all of a sudden, before anyone can answer Tom, there's a large, a very loud, I should say, uh, horn being blown behind them from the west. And Lan whips around to go look at it, the road, and of course the party, more specifically Rand, feels a bit of a that chill down the spine that kind of like, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and usually when you're within a with you when you're within the distance of a horn, that means they're right on your tail. That's not like, a, oh, I can barely hear a horn. It must be there like four days behind. No, it's it's. It's pretty close. So, um, Brand's thinking like, well, uh, it's probably 10 miles behind us. Now, a normal military moving, you know, 30 miles in a day is ridiculously good. Like, ridiculously good. And that's, that may or may not be on a road. It may, it could be in like, you know, backwater, but assuming it's a road, that'd probably be somewhat normal. Um, but we also have uh, Lan paying attention, and then he finally responds to Tom, basically saying, nothing stops them from it. We just have to trust in the light and luck. But we do know that they are behind us. For certain. <laughs> so Moraine, you know, just kind of, I'm imagining her, you know, laying on or kneeling on the ground, you know, roughing on her sack or something. And all of a sudden she just gets up. It's like dusting off her hands going, well, it's time to move on. <laughs> it's like, you don't say. 
They're 10 miles behind us, roughly. Mm, probably time to leave. So everybody scrambles for the horses, and then the sound of the horn just kind of urges them a little bit faster and faster. But now there's more horns. Basically, they're like, all right, time to, to, to gallop and gallop and gallop. But Lan and Moraine are kind of just there and exchanging a look. And you're like, okay, what what's going on? And then Lan's basically like, all right, Moraine said, I, you keep him moving. I'll return when I can. But if I do not return, you'll know if I fail. And he puts a hand on it. Uh, Mandarb's saddle, his horse, and vaults in the back of him and just goes down the hill heading towards the horns. And the horns blast again. And then Moraine is kind of like whispering to Lan as he's leaving, but almost loud, or not, almost not loud enough for anyone to hear, but Rand barely hears it. And it's the light go with you, last Lord of the Seven Towers. Um, we'll learn more about this, but it is a title. So if that gives anything away, it's a title. So um, she turns Aldib, her horse, to the east. Is like, well, we gotta go, and kind of goes in a like little trot, and everyone's like following her really close together. But it's like. Should we not be going faster? <laughs> so Rand twists behind him to look at look for land, but the low hills and stuff hiding him, all the different trees, there's no way he's going to really spot them. But she mentioned the last Lord of the Seven Towers, and he's curious to know what it is, but he's thinking, hmm, I don't know if anybody else heard, but Tom's over there chewing the ends of his mustaches. And he's, you know, has this speculative frown on his face. So he apparently knows a lot, a.k.a. Tom. So then the horns blow again. They're a lot closer this time, he can tell. So eight miles. So like in the time frame, they've moved. The Trollocs have moved two miles. So they are booking it. So. Think of it on a normal scale. A normal person at full, like, run, like a fast pace run, you can do a mile in, like, seven and a half minutes without exhausting yourself exorbitantly. Trollocs are bigger and technically stronger than the average person. Um, their typical height is about eight foot, so... Eight to ten foot, technically. Um... So having them run, they got a longer stride. They're going to be able to clear ground faster. So that could probably cut that down, you know, five minutes comfortably for them. So in the time frame for them to go down a hill after getting like saddled up and everything to go good to go. It's like 10 minutes has already passed. And they're like, yeah, they're already two miles closer <laughs> in the time we could even get out of here. Um, so... Matt and Egwene are like, oh no. Parents like, all right, hunch down, just keep going. And then Nynaeve goes up to Moraine. He's like, can we not go faster? The horns are getting closer. And the Moraine looks at her kind of like, are you stupid? Like, why do they let us know where they are? So we can rush ahead into something that we don't want to deal with. 
So they kept a small, uh, kind of a slow, steady pace. And then the horns, you know, crying behind them, so to speak. And they always get closer and closer and closer. And I was like, oh, now we're five miles. And then, boom, land comes out of nowhere, going on, uh, around the hill behind them at a gallop. And he comes up to Moraine. He's like, well, we got at least three fists of Trollocs. And each led by a halfman, potentially five fists. And Egwene's like, well, if you could see them, they could probably see you. They could be right on, right behind you. And Nynaeve's all pish posh poppycock going, well, he wasn't seen because I followed his trail, remember? Like, no one cares, Nynaeve. <laughs> and Moraine kind of emphasizes that where she's like, hush. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, Lan's telling us there's probably five hundred Trollocs behind us, you know, chasing eight people. This seems like a reasonable outcome, you know? I mean, 500 Trollocs for eight people. So everyone's just quiet. Then Land's like, well, and they're closing the gap. They'll be on us in probably about an hour or less. So all that time they were moving, hmm, not that great. So the Aes Sedai to herself is kind of like, mm, well, if they had that many before, why didn't they use it at the beginning? If they didn't, how did they get here since that point? Both are very valid questions, in my opinion. Um, we might learn later on in the series if they had a special trick to their movement and mobility, but at the moment, it's not extremely clear. Um, Land points out that they're kind of spread out, like, I'd assume probably a two-file line or so to get as much distance as they could. So if they catch up, they could just wrap around basically trap them you know just if you have a, if you have a solid line it's not super super thick you could spread it out a little bit longer and then if you, you can also like quote unquote you know when you use a space balls reference comb the desert <laughs> you can comb comb the landscape a lot easier if you spread it out and for all we know like maybe they are you know one every four feet apart or whatever like in between them to where they're close enough to close a gap really quick but they're also far enough apart to get a little bit of extra range out of it um so basically lands like hey they're spreading out to try to push us ahead of them and they got scouts ahead of the main parties which means that the scouts are probably 40 minutes behind where the rest of the party is an hour behind. So the scouts will basically tell them like, hey, they're over this way, go this way or whatever. And that will change the directions and the decision making of any merge draw. So Moraine's like, hmm, what are they going to be driving us to? But then all of a sudden you got the horn blasting in the west but then there's a large blast ahead of them to the east. So not only do we have 500 up to 500 Trollocs behind us, we got possibly another 500 ahead of us or some other number. And then, of course, Nynaeve is really upset. And it's like, well, where do we do? Where are we going? And Moraine's like, well, we only got left, uh, we only got north and south. So, to the south of the hills of Abshur, it's barren and dead, 
and the Tarin with no way to cross and no traffic by boat. To the north, we can reach the Arenel before nightfall and potentially have a chance at a trader's boat if the ice is broken at Maradon. And Maradon's or lands like, mm, there's a place the Trollocs won't go. And of course, Moraine whips around and goes, nope. Nope. Whole lots of nope. I mean, she, she says, no, it has to be good. Well, it's got another thing. It's like, this is an odd thing because normally they're on this of same mind, right? Like they're, they're, yeah. they typically agree, at least for what we've seen in the story so far. So this is the first time it's like a blatant, just like, nope. And it's kind of strange. Because typically they're not going to be, you know, disagreeing. But she she went the whole full nope. Horns blow again. Um, Cloud gets a little nervous. <laughs> and of course Tom's like, Ugh. they're trying to frighten us. They're trying to scare us so we panic and run. And they'll have us then. But. Then we get... Uh, Egwene is swinging her head back east and west between the horns and everything. She's like flipping out. She's like, hey, she's she's not wanting to be here at the moment. So then Moraine's like, all right, we're going north. So they head north with the horns, you know, trying to keep up. Now they're still... Like the lines are still spread out going up so it's not like they're just on the road they're on the side brush the road whatever um so they're trying to like completely net them and as they're going up and down and going everywhere basically without any flat areas um they climb up one to canter down another land pushes them faster than they use on the road and you can tell they're kind of like urgently trying to get out of the area. Like that's, that is their goal is like, we need to get someplace where these guys aren't going to be able to, to catch us. And basically they're going so fast that any, you know, tree branches and whatnot are just smacking them all around, you know, cutting them, um, and trying to like basically grab him because, you know, vines and whatnot they just grab whatever's there even if it's not intentionally or actively grabbing it um you'd almost think he'd be terrified to go in this pace and this kind of terrain on a racing horse because you hit a ditch that's a, that, that's game over like <laughs> um yeah no and with land pushing them as hard as they're going it doesn't feel like they're actually like really getting anywhere. Um, they're probably getting close to two miles, according to Rand's estimation. And then lands kind of like peering around, which, you know, he has his ability to sense like Trollocs and stuff from a certain distance. So maybe he's using, using that to, to like, probably, you know, guesstimate is west or east closing in faster. Are they coming in at the same time? 
um, etc. Like, what's really causing one side to get closer? Because that will help decide whether or not he's going a little bit left, a little bit to the right as they're heading north to get to their goal. But no one knows if they know exactly what goal they have, just except to go to north to see if they can outrun it. So, Land does his little scouting, trying to look around. Um, but Land appears to be worried, like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. But Land sells back, pulls his cloak back so he can have access to his sword and keep searching. Um, Rand and Matt catch each other's eye and they kind of like look at it and they're like, mm, this is not, not pretty good. Um, so the land goes, Hey, we got Trollocs incoming and probably some of the, just the scouts head ahead of the main party. And, um, if we come across them, just stick with me, do as I do. And we have to keep going. So of course, Tom goes blood and ashes. And then Nynaeve like, Egwene over here, come on, come on over here, motioning to her. And. All they really have to cover them at this point is some scattered variety of evergreens. So, like, not a huge coverage. It, it's very unlikely this is going to be a positive outcome, I guess, would be the best way to look at it. <laughs> it's going to be very, very, very negative. Um, so, Rand's trying to look everywhere at once. Everybody's trying to do that, really. But the horns were very, very close. And they feel like they're right behind them. They top a hill, and below them, just starting up the slope, are Trollocs carrying poles tipped with great loops of rope or long hooks. So, catch poles. Um, many Trollocs. The lines stretch far to either side, the ends out of sight, but at center, directly in front of land, is a fade. So, apparently, the merge draw is like, ooh, hey... And once the shock kind of wears off, pulls out of his sword and waves it over his head and the Trollocs just poof, burst forward, running towards him. Um, but before the merge all moved, Land's sword was in his hands, yelling at everybody to stay with him. And Mandar jumps just down the hill, the hill towards the Trollocs and he shouts, for the Seven Towers! And again, we're like, nobody here knows that except for like, maybe three people um and Rand's like uh oh takes a gulp of air and just blasts forward behind him so they all kind of stream after him it's like a cavalry wedge formation or something um and he shocks himself to find that he's got Tam's sword in his hand but he's caught up by Landscry where he starts you know yelling Manethrin Manethrin and apparent you know replies the same way and then matt shouts something that was kind of odd cry on caldazar cry on alessande alessande and i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if he like uh random parent actually just stopped the charge just stop and look at him just like what mm, i don't know if they're just really that I think they're a bit more caught up with what's going on than to really pay attention necessarily to what he said. Uh, that has to just be the perfect perfect math thing. Just in mid-charge, 
greatest moment, possibly greatest moment in our lives, and he just has to shout something completely incomprehensible that makes everyone stop. Well, it's comprehensible to people who understand it. Um, so the fade, which no one here does. False. Um, we'll see that later. Um, the fade turns uh, basically from the Trollocs to the guys charging at him, and he's like, "Oh, oh crap." So now he's looking at the horseman because remember you got eight people and he's got, he has a particular goal. He can't just kill people because that would, you know, be problematic for the goal. And then all of a sudden land just like smashes into the merge all and the rest of them just kind of like fall upon the Trolloc line and the warder, the warder's blade and the Thakandar black blade just sounds like a bell just wing, and it echoes and then there's a flash of blue light which is from what i understand of the uh the blades and stuff is a reaction and you could say it's maybe like an elemental reaction from the the types of uh, materials that they're both made of but then you got these beast-muzzled almost men, a.k.a. Trollocs, swarming around everybody, trying to catch them with catch poles and hooks. But they ignored Lan and the Merdral, who just kind of like had like this little empty circle around themselves. And they're just going, slamming it at each other. And it's, it's a very impressive feature, you can tell. Um... Rand's horse cloud is flipping out hardcore. Um, at this point, Trollocs are crushing up against cloud and basically controlling the movement because they're not gonna be able to move very much with this many people packed together. But at the same time, it's not to the Trollocs credit because they can't use catch pulls because they're getting crushed by their own fellows. So it's, it's, it's a very weird situation going on. So um, he basically, Rand starts just swinging his sword, you know, trying to kill stuff. But then he's thinking about Egwene. He's trying to find her while he's, you know, swinging around trying to kill things. And then you see Moraine's white mare, Aldeeb, um Basically just poof, 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 you know, trying to get around. And the slightest touch from Moraine's hands is just directing all of this. Like, just like it's, it's a trained horse that's used to a rider. Um, now, but the one difference is that now Moraine's face looks about as hard as Land's passive face. <laughs> so her staff goes out and, you know, Trollocs burst into flame and then... They just die. <laughs> it's just it's like, ah, oh, they're done. It's like popcorn kernels. Um, Nynaeve and Egwene are close to her. And, you know, they have their teeth bared. So they're like looking like they're about, you know, ferociously go bite some in Trollocs throats out or something. But they got their belt knives. I'm like, yeah, a belt knife from horseback's just not going to be super, super effective, but maybe it'll be effective in certain cases, like if a Trolloc grabs at them or something, they can cut the arm off or something like that, but not likely. 
So, um, basically, Rand tries to like plow towards them, but then a bunch of Trollocs try to like flee from Moraine. But as they try to avoid her, she's like, "No, no, no! You're not getting away!" And just poof, turns them into fire. Um, so it's a pretty grand spectacle from basically every viewpoint and Trollocs are not happy, but then you look over land and the merge all are just going at it and their sparks are going up and up and up. Um, but then all of a sudden the catch pole grabs at Rand's head and he cuts the catch pole in two, then kills the goat based Trolloc that was holding it. Um, the hook crossed against his shoulder from behind and tangled in his cloak, jerking him backwards. But he's almost losing his sword, but he crushes onto Cloud, and Cloud twists around, flipping out. And Rand's hanging on to the saddle and the reins desperately, but he can feel himself slipping away, and the hook's going to just end up grabbing him and taking him. But then Cloud swung around, but then for instant, Rand sees Perrin almost completely out of a saddle, but only halfway, um, trying to wrest his axe away from the Trollocs. Like, I just see, like, there's a, uh, there's these three Trollocs on one side, you got Perrin on the other side, and they're playing tug-of-war, and you're like, you know, normally that's not possible, but because I guess he's a blacksmith apprentice, he's probably got the strength to be able to... I do Bully his way, I guess, be the term. <laughs> bully his bully his axe out of their hands or something. But he's also got the horse helping him, so I guess that does help. Um, and then they get him by one arm and both legs. And then Cloud uh, plunges so that Rand only sees Trollocs. Um, a Trolloc rushes in, grabs Rand's leg, trying to grab uh, his foot off of the stirrup. But he let go of the saddle, stabs it, and then... The hook pulls him out of the saddle um, to Cloud's hindquarters. But his he's still got his death grips on the reins, so he has Cloud with him. And Cloud is just flipping out and shrieking, rears up. And then all of a sudden, the pulling vanished. The Trolloc at his leg threw up its hands and screams, which is probably not a pleasant sound. Um, and then all of the Trollocs are screaming, howling, as they say, howling like dogs in the world gone mad. <laughs> Um, and then around the party, Trollocs are just falling to the ground, writhing and tearing at their hair, clawing at their faces. All of them. They're biting at the ground, snapping at nothing, howling, howling, howling. Then Rand notices the Merdral upright in its saddle with its horse dancing around like it's insane. And the black sword still flailing, but it has no head. I mean... Merdral were creepy as it was, turning him into, like, freaking, you know, Jack Lantern kind of <laughs> characters. Also, like, eh, I'll pass. Yeah, um, my mental image, just like the mental image, he just fathomed up in my head while I was reading this. He was like, no. <laughs> sure. I, no, I don't, I don't want to see that. I mean, I'd rather see that than him chasing after me, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Tom shouts out, like, it's not going to die until nightfall, at least not wholly. That's what I've heard, anyway. Because, <laughs> you know, it's completely unrelated. Just... So, Land... You think it's going to die. Land shouts at everybody to ride very angrily. He's like, that's not all of them. 
Yeah, that was just a lot of them. Not all of them. Um, and the irony is, is that out of everyone who's going down, like plunging into the ground, the only person who actually got off of their horse and not by his own will was Matt. So Rand tries to get over to him, but Matt tosses uh, one of the catch pole nooses away from him with the you know shutter because he's wondering like that could have been horrible. Uh, but he grabs his bow, climbs into his saddle, and aided. But he rubs at his throat. I want to just say tuck that away because this becomes the theme. Um. Well, he almost gets horribly strangled. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on that any further because there's a lot more story. Okay, and uh, like I said, tuck it away for later. Um, I will make you suffer. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I would like there to be a day where you don't say that to me. Well, that'd be the end of the fifteenth book. So, <laughs> and maybe not even then. <laughs> anyway, um. So the horns, because considering this is a scout party, so the horns, you know, blowing off, and it's like hounds at the scent of deer. Like they're closing in on you, they're gonna get you. Um, but then if Land had set a hard pace before, he doubled it, and the horses were just like, "I'm down. I didn't like that. Let's get out of here." Um, they go uphill faster than they had gone down <laughs> previously. Uh, they nearly threw themselves to the side, but then they keep getting those horns closer and closer and closer until you could hear the Trollocs shouting at them um, whenever the horns weren't playing. And humans reach the hilltop just as the Trollocs appear on the next hill behind them and it's just swarmed over by Trollocs. Their snouted, distorted faces howling and then you got three Murdral. Three. They're a hundred spans away. Which is not that far. So, of course, Rand's like, Whoo! Three! Land had fun fighting one. You got three now. And then the Murdral pull out their swords. Charge! Although, probably not verbally. And Trollocs just blast down that hill. Absolute insane. Um... So Moraine climbs down from Aldeeb's back and calmly pulls something out of her pouch and unwraps it. It's a, a glimpse of dark ivory. It's the Angreal. And with an Angreal in, in one hand and a staff in the other, the Aes Sedai sets her feet, faces the Trollocs that are rushing towards them, and the fades of their black swords, raise her staff high, and then stabs it down in the earth. But the, round, the ground rings like an iron kettle struck by a mallet. So essentially a bell. And the hollow clang dwindles and fades away, but for nothing, nothing was making any noise for a second. But then, like with the wind dying, Trollocs stop crying, but their charge forward slows and then stops. And then everyone waits. And then there's this slow, dull ringing building, 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 building. And it becomes a rumble. And then the earth just moans and the ground trembles beneath the horses. And this this is like the sorcery you'd hear about in all those children's tales. And Rand's like, ah, oh, yeah. 
That's what I'm thinking it is. But he's like, I wish I was not anywhere near here. Even though that'd probably be less safer. Um, and then the tremble becomes a shaking and then everything's quivering. And then even the warhorse and the trained Aldib are staggering as if they're drunk. But the Aes just is there as she has at the beginning and she's holding it upright, the staff and holding the Angreal in her hands. And she doesn't move. Everything else around her just shivering and whatnot, quaking. Not her. So then the ground ripples, springing out from the end of her staff, pushing towards the Trollocs, like basically knocking them backwards. Um, and as they run, they're like just oh, and falling backwards and sliding down, getting rippled back into their fellows. And it's just this amazing image of just a horde of Trollocs piling up a hill and just getting flung backwards by the ground. Um, but even with the ground doing that all around them, the merge draw kind of just move forward at a steady pace in a line without missing a step, every hoof in unison. And the Trollocs are just going flying right by them, just whatever. And they're like, nope, we're, we're still going. Um, so then, then Moraine lifts her staff up and the earth stops, but she doesn't necessarily finish. Then she points to the hollow between the hills and then flame just burst out of the ground up to 20 feet high. And she flings her arms wide. And that one that was 20 feet high just bursts to the sides, which I would imagine the current status that they are would be north to south, but it's hypothetically, it could be in any direction depending on where they're at, etc. Um, but basically uh, it just races down left and right, separating the Trollocs from the humans. And, the merger all were like, you know, whatever they could do to get across, you know, rumbling ground or whatever. It's not apparently applied to burning hot fire of 20 feet at all. Um, so they're like, Oh, we're, we're not getting anywhere near this. So the horses for the merger are like backing up, flipping out and the merger is trying to get them to go through the flames. And Matt, of course, swears blood and ashes. And, um, Moraine's, kind of wavering and then land jumps off his horse grabs her and tells him to keep going it's like hey let's go guys let's go it's not going to stay around forever every minute counts um so the, <laughs> as to counter that the flame of or the wall of flame just roars even louder like yeah i'm gonna be here for a few minutes um but the party doesn't argue. They gallop northward as fast as they can go. The hordes kind of blaring behind them, but not in like triumph anymore, but more in the like, dang it. They got away for now. Then they, be then they become quiet. Um, land and Morin catch up with everybody, but lands holding Aldeeb's reins because the ice dies kind of just, barely holding on for dear life onto her saddle. She's tired and exhausted. It's like, well, I can, I can imagine why. <laughs> um, she's not considered the strongest of Aes Sedai. Um, not when working with earth and fire, but she's even then not even the strongest Aes Sedai. She's got some strength, but she's not the top, so to speak. Um, 
they start leading again with a fast walk, trying to stay, keeping their horses, stay in the saddle. Um, Nynaeve moves to the Aes Sedai to try to um, steady her, if you will. And then they get across the hills and they're whispering and the wisdom pulls out some stuff and hands it to Moraine and she's trying to get like, give her her instructions, like here, here's some herbs. Um, here's, here's what you want to do with them. And then she goes back to them and you'd think that, you know, Nynaeve would be kind of like, glad I could help man keeps us out of, you know, the Trollocs way. But instead, she's kind of like, ha-ha, I have one-upped the Aes Sedai with my herbs. And I'm like, I mean, I'm pretty sure your herbs didn't just stop a whole horde of Trollocs, let alone three Murdral. Pretty sure that was the Aes Sedai. Um, no, no, man. Between, between this and the, the dancing, they're even. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. So, um... They're kind of going at a fast walk still, and, you know, Rand's thinking to himself, like, wow, that's that's what a battle's like, man. That's that's insane. And, basically, uh, the wind picks back up after it had stopped for a split second. Now it's like an icy wind. It's like, well, you are going north towards the borderlands. Obviously, they haven't moved like days and days worth now, but it's still far, far up north. Um, but then Matt and Perrin are over there near him, and they're like, eh, this, this is not ideal for them. Like the three of them are like, ah, can we be somewhere else, please? Um, then basically, uh, Egwene asks, uh, Rand quietly, like, you know, that stuff you were saying when you're charging at the Trollocs and she doesn't, she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't really know how to really ask the question but Rand's like what about him he's like Psh, yeah Matt must have told the story over 10 times and then Tom jumps in and badly <laughs> just, Matt grunts and I'm like what? so um Rand's like well however we told it we've all heard it a number of times besides we had some to shout something I mean that's what you do at a time like that you heard land <laughs> it's just like that is not a verifiable like reason. Like, yes, shout things. Why? Because reasons. Um, but then parents like, you know, we do have a right. I mean, we're all supposed to be descended from Manetherin, and they fought the Dark One, and we're fighting the Dark One, so that, that gives us the right. But apparently Egwene's like, I knew that, but I, what were you saying, Matt? Matt's like, I don't know. It's all foggy, and I don't know what it was, where it came from, or what it means. I don't suppose it means anything. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. You know, awkward laugh. And the queen's like, yeah, I think it does. You shouted it, but I feel like I almost understood what you were saying, but I can't remember it now. But maybe you're right. It's strange thing. It's time for strange things to happen, because you know. 
why not? Um, but then Moraine kind of comes up and says, Karai on Kaldazar. And everyone looks at her and she goes, Karai on Elisande, Al Elisande, for the honor of the Red Eagle, for the honor of the Rose of the Sun, the Rose of the Sun. It's the ancient war cry of Menethrin and the war cry of its last king. Eldrin was called the Rose of the Sun. And then she points out, and basically everybody in the two rivers, that's like, hey, the blood of Amon's line is still strong on the two rivers. The old blood still sings. So it makes everybody start to think, you know, or at least us, the readers, like, well, maybe Matt is a reincarnation or something of Amon. He came back, you know, for whatever reason, really. <laughs> we don't really know why, but um, maybe that's what it is. So Matt's obviously like, uh, I don't want to be a descendant of the ancient kings of Manetherin if it's not an actual reincarnation. And... Maybe the Trollocs are after Matt instead, but Tom just sits there and is like, you know, can't say I've ever heard of a thing like this. Another time I might even make a story out of it, but right now, uh, do you intend to remember here for the rest of the day, I Sedai? And Roy's like, uh, no, and he grabs her horse. The Trolloc horns keen from the south as if they're like, you know, get ready to uh, continue on their journey to capture these folks. Um, so then Lan all of a sudden is like, yeah, well, they passed the fire. And he's like, you're not strong enough. We got to get some rest or whatever, but we need to find a place where the Merdral and Trollocs will not enter. And there is a place that they will not enter. And Moraine's like, you're probably right. All right, all right, all right. I suppose I'd rather go there than other places because all the other places seem to be like st stuck, cut off or whatever by more and more Trollocs. Um, so she gathers everybody around her. Everyone gets as close as they can. And then she basically uses magic grabs basically all their scent and then throws it a direction kind of like a dog toy and you know like rubbing it onto your skin and then throwing it so the dog knows like i smell my owner and ghost chases it um Rand doesn't like this and he feels like well no one in the party except lan or moraine even really notice but it makes them feel really, really uncomfortable. Um, Moraine explains that what she just did is basically they will, um, the Trollocs will sight or notice these uh, scents and will try to redirect, and that will hold them off for a bit at least. Um, and lands like, hey, by the time they realize that they've been duped, we'll have disappeared into the wild. Um, and then Gawain says something that I just find really stupid, but it 
gets a sniff from Nynaeve, which is, your staff is very powerful. And then Moraine, you know, is like, ah, exasperated. I told you, child, things do not have power. The one power comes from the true source, and only a living mind can wield it. This is not even an angriol, merely an aid to consciousness. Or concentration. Consciousness. Wow. Dyslexic today. I thought you were the dyslexic one. Yeah, no, right. I have to write a single page. Oh, yeah. That's because there's not a whole lot to read, but... Um, also, we really could not do this entire chapter justice. It would feel like any reading. You really should... I know this is a read-on, but you really should just read it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's much easier to understand in reading it, but it points out certain things. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of looking forward to... Well, actually, we haven't really touched on it, the uh, the TV series that's in production still, question mark? The, the TV series? Uh, you know, like the, like the show that I think it was getting made about real time. Oh, it's still getting made. Okay, I don't know. I feel like because of COVID, it was being kept, like, moved back. No, it's, it's, it's restricted some of their shooting, but they're still doing it as far as I'm aware. I have heard nothing anyway. to the contrary. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was here, guys. I'm sort of hoping that possibly we got a scene like his scene like this, but you know, it will probably never actually be as good. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. No matter what they put in the TV series, it will not be as good as the as the books. It's it's literally impossible. They will not do it that accurate because they don't feel like there's going to be a uh, an audience for that, if you will. Um, so I, I have no doubts that it's going to be very, very different from the books. Um, they've already stated that they're going to make some changes. So I'm, I'm expecting more and more changes rather than less and less changes. Um, I did want to point out that when Maureen's telling her like things do not have power, that is very much a true statement. Um, in this universe, um, Things do not have uh, the power um, or power in general. It's things can be conduits, but they never themselves control it. So like the Angrial is not powerful, but it can have powerful magic poured through it and into the user. So it's it's accurate, but inaccurate at the same time. So I just kind of did want to point that out. Um. Let's see. Lands like, hey, follow me, keep quiet. But if the Trollocs hear us, it's going to ruin basically everything we're trying to go for. So he leads north again, but not at like the super ridiculous pace they had already done. Um, basically, uh, now it's like this weird rocky outcrops kind of you know not really ground ground it's more just basically running across rocks and whatnot um Nynaeve rides besides Moraine she's kind of fighting like do I dislike this lady or am I concerned that she's her like her well-being is you know being questioned um But then there's something a little bit extra, like Nynaeve has some goal in mind. Um, 
But Moraine's shoulders are slumped, and she held her reins in her saddle with both hands, swaying every step that Aldeeb takes. Then we have a little note about Moraine basically uh, doing all the stuff with the magic she did, and it really taking a lot out of her. Um, then we hear more Trollicorns. They're pretty far back, it seems. Um, he keeps looking behind the party and was like, uh, I want, I want to know when they're coming, you know, like if they somehow creep upon us or whatever, but he doesn't see what lies ahead. But when he looks, it's just this great, weirdly shaped mass stretched off to either side and out of sight. And it's most places as high as the trees that grew up to it. So it's this large, large mass. But he has even taller spires here and all over the place. Um, but vines without leaves crawling all over this place. It looks completely abandoned. And they get closer and closer and it becomes a tower. It's like, well, maybe there's some shelter or something we could hide from where we won't get sieged or whatever. Um, but then somebody's like, wow, it's a city. And, well, as, as is pretty much everybody knows, basically, it's not going to be an ideal spot. But they're like, it's a city with a city wall. And their spires are more like guard towers on the wall. But they weren't really expecting it to be 10 times as big as Barillon. Or even 50 times as big as Barillon. That's a pretty darn city, considering Barillon's more of a town, but it's still large for where it's located. This is a full-fledged city, so this is probably bigger than Whitebridge. And possibly a couple other places together. Um, and then Matt's like, yeah, it's a, it's a city. But what's it doing in the middle of a forest? And then Perrin's like, and without actual like people. Um, but he also points out that basically the creepers could tear down a wall, but look at how this whole thing's falling apart. So Egwene's kind of like, wonder what city it was. I don't remember hearing anything about this from my dad's map. I wonder what happened here. And then Moraine speaks up and gives everyone a little history lesson. Or a very, very short one. We'll get a longer one later on. It was called Arid Hall, Moraine says. Uh, in the days of the Trolloc Wars, it was an ally of Manetherin. Staring at the massive walls, she seemed almost unaware of basically like anyone around her, Nynaeve included, who's literally right there supporting her. And she points out that after a little while, after Manethrin was gone, Erdhold died, and this was called by another name. So Matt's like, well, what name? And then Lan's like, all right, here we are. And he stops his horse in front of a really wide, wide gate that's like 50 men could stay across abreast. 
which is a very, very big gate. Um, so we're going to enter through here. So land kind of like pauses. The Trolloc horns shriek behind them. Um, then he kind of like looks over there and then just looks at the sun and heads in. He's like, well, they discovered the false trail. We got to be in shelter before dark. And then Matt's like, no, seriously, what name? And Moraine answers as they, you know, right inside, Shadar Logoth. It's called Shadar Logoth. Woo. That's an intense chapter. Yeah, all right. Any thoughts? Uh, like, I, well, just because he, like, he's this sort of nature of the genre and all that, I knew that, like, combat was eventually going to happen, but, you know, they expected it to be, uh, kind of this soon. <laughs> in, in, a, in a sort of kind of weird way. I feel like the theme um, for this series is you did not expect the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of stuff we're not going to experience. I'm not expecting that, so. But, any, um, any yeah, good I quite like it. Ooh. Did quite the, like, uh, Lance Duel with the, the uh, Bar Troll. So we just see, like, he kind of the... I don't know. I am sort of a kind of a sucker for, like, the whole sort of dramatic duel sort of situation. And I can, I can sort of just imagine it, like, he just throws two perfectly in my head, just squaring off. Even though I see, like, I don't know. It is just more like one of my personal favorite bets. So you didn't have anything else then? Uh, well, that, that's kind of the problem. I mean, we'll either see it that, uh, pretty much the subject of the chapter is there's a fight. There's a chase. It's a chase scene. So there's a chase scene. And then there's a fight. There's a chase. There's a fight. So there's pretty much. Okay. So there's, like, what, like, two major points that we can talk about that. Everyone's run away. Then they go, get caught, and then they fight. Then they run away again. <laughs> and now Which they're know, arriving know, at a dead city. Yeah, I know that's here like a massive boiling down of, but you know, that's here like in the sort of base elements of the. Uh, well, that's scene. how the story is. So I mean, it makes sense, but um, I don't know. It's hard to talk about because it really was kind of a short chapter. I mean. This, this is going to be a very long episode. Um, but once they start hitting those chapters where they get longer and longer, it's going to be a lot more content. This is just kind of like setting us up and setting us up and moving and moving and moving. Um, yeah. So I'm not really sure how to like really point out what's going to happen or not. I, I do. And I, I think for me personally, I enjoy hearing you kind of like say this is what's going to happen in the next episode. And then just finding out whether or not it is or isn't true. Like how much is what you're gaining in like the story and what potentially could happen. Like when you guessed about the, the fire, it's like you're partially right. So you're not too far off. How did you come to that conclusion? What made you think that? And if I remember correctly, it was the white cloaks, which made you think they're going to just go burn something down. <laughs> yeah. And you're not wrong. To be fair, when I was reading through this chapter and I was hearing the, like 
the horns, obviously, like, oh, okay, I can see that. See, like, the white cloaks after them, and there's, like, no, it's the, mer no, it's the Trollocs. I was like, oh, okay, I guess they don't care about being in the open, so. Well, the white cloaks are... Uh, the Trollocs, I mean, being in the open, but... Oh, Trollocs being in the open? <clears throat> oh, if the yeah. Trollocs came across white cloaks, they would have slaughtered the white cloaks. Um, yeah. You gotta understand that the white cloaks come in like a, a typically like a legion, which would be like a thousand or so. But sometimes they send out half legions. But it's also common for them to be spread out so much to where they only have like a small company with them, so that could be like under a hundred at points. It depends on what they're doing and where they're going and why they're going there, etc. Um, we don't really learn why they were in Barillon, just that they were quote unquote rooting out the the dark, dark friends and you know evil and whatnot. But we're not really explicitly told what they were doing there, other than causing trouble. Um, <laughs> but any uh, uh. any guesstimations of what's going to happen in the next episode or next yeah, chapter? Because they, uh, because they, this is apparently becoming like a segment now. Um, <laughs> Okay. Welcome we, we to have... James Guestimation Corner, where yes. James guesstimates. James is yeah. James is wrong. Wrongful predictions. Hey, somebody's gonna be wrong. Might as well be you. <laughs> well, then there's only two people to be wrong, and you've read the books. <laughs> exactly my point. Uh, okay, come on. We we have to like find out here why like Moraine was so resistant to like coming here. Oh, well, I'm sure you'll find out sometime eventually. Yeah, that, Maybe a couple thousand yeah. books away, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know. I kind of expecting it like here there to be some sort of like uh, you know, malignant evil that still lingers, or you know, something, sorry like that. Well, put it this way: Robert Jordan puts things in a series. He doesn't typically just leave you hanging. Some there'll be some explanation in some shape or form. Um. But what we do know from this chapter is that the Trollocs and the Mergeral will not enter, at least not without great pressure to go in. So something about this place, potentially because it was an ally of Manetherin, they have not the fondest of memories of it, or, you know, there could, there could be a lot of things. Um, but we won't really know until the next chapter, but... Yes. It's, the story's getting, starting to get real. <laughs> So, um, did you have anything else you wanted to comment on? Uh, trying to just trying to think now. Um, don't hurt yourself. My <laughs> <laughs> brain explode. I don't know. Again, um, just trying to think of any prediction. I did find you like the holes of like you know, Matt's brain possibly melting or something like that during combat be, to be like quite interesting and also like the implications you when he starts um, saying his little yeah, when, banner cry yeah, yeah when he starts basically like talking tongues effectively just because yeah. he um uh, you spoke about the well we haven't really touched on any of this yet that much but um like the, well you know the whole nature of the world being you know the wheel of time, and like, hey, uh, everything's sort of kind of um, cyclical and stuffy like that, and 
So what? A wheel? Cyclical? Cyclical? Yeah, cyclical. Who are you yeah. joking? Come on. Just say like um, you know, that just say like the idea of be like a certain events or such like repeating it themselves because we haven't like come like. I don't know. It probably has been like touched on idea. Like I may as well just say like if like misremembering right now. Uh, specific details, but um, we're not exactly like privy to the exact nature of the world, are we? What do you mean by the nature of the world? I mean, like, is everything has already has everything already happened? If so, can I? Is everything that I'm going to do predestined to happen? No. But so, the okay. only thing so, so, that is no, more or less destined to happen is certain clashes and how they come about is not set in stone so it i mean people will have probably different theories and whatnot and i'd love to hear some of those theories but as far as i can tell there's no definitive like this is going to happen on this day and there's nothing you can say there are prophecies so like they'll be like oh this will happen but it's more of like when this happens not on this day it happens like when the dragon is reborn here's what's going to happen when this is going to happen this will happen you know that kind of thing so prophetic prophecies and stuff are going to have their effect on things but it's not going to necessarily be anything time-based or whatever and we know because prophecies are a saying doesn't mean they're going to happen the way people think they're going to happen So. Yeah, that's uh, that's you can actually like the I guess the main thing that I was interested in because um, okay. again, he like um, I don't know, like there are like a few things he like he's all pre-established that like haven't really been touched on here. Did would just be exhausting to sort of go back and be like, oh, we just he learned this thing. Does that mean that such and such affects such and such? Just because you know, if you did that, we would he be here? Like, here forever. Forever. <laughs> Good old Sandlot reference. Um, yeah, well, I guess that will wrap it up for the day. Um, okay. I've got nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it sounds like you're running out of steam. So, <laughs> um, I was talking about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for uh, sticking around. I know it was kind of a a strange way we had to do it the last couple episodes because just the dialogue system and the history and whatnot is kind of it's it's a little hidden from us at the moment. But um, it may or may not come back the next episode. I have to kind of go over it, but um, we're definitely looking forward to you guys joining us then. Um, if you'd like to, you know send comments or questions to us directly. You can send it to us at tales of a red arm at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at, at tales of a red arm. Um, also on Facebook. Um, if you could, you know, like share everything like that, help us get out there and, you know, bring in more people. That'd be great. And we can have more fun with more theories and, you know, just enjoy the content as a community as opposed to, you know, just a small, small group of people. <laughs> but, hey, 
it's it's how much we can do is uh, I know James and I will be doing what we can do and try to spread what we can, but um, everybody helping will definitely make it more successful. So um, we do appreciate you guys for listening, hanging in there, and um, hopefully you're enjoying this as much as we are. But yeah, yeah. so um, thanks again for hanging out with us and we'll see you guys next week. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day and on the girls will spend our pay and when we're done then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall and some of the girls be they short or tall and follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall And some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack of the Shadows yeah. 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 Yeah.